How can resilience prepare us for uncertainty? How can team building lay the foundation for a resilient workplace? When do we persist in the face of adversity and when do we walk away? My name is Lottie. I'm a writer and cultural critic based at the University of Cambridge. In this series, I want to dive a little deeper into our human skills with the help of movies, literature and art. We can learn a lot from the culture we surround ourselves with. Creativity is an indicator of how we think and feel, how we relate to and communicate with each other. Let's look at how we can understand our skills through culture. From cartoons to classical music, maybe you'll start to get a little more creative. On today's episode, What's the difference between resilient teams and resilient people? What can Greek myths teach us about endurance and the human experience? I want to talk about resilience. I'm Lottie Walker and this is How to Hatch. Two and a half thousand years ago, Greece was alive with new ideas and prosperities of the ancient world. Brimming with culture and creativity, Greek thought and ideas established a way of life that's similar to the one we have today. The gods, heroes and rituals of ancient Greece were retold and recorded through stories or myths. Greek mythology has subsequently influenced much of the art and literature of Western civilization. Today, these myths have become living traditions, continuously retold and renewed by artists, actors and writers. Marriage. It's a game of trust. Yeah. A game that goes on and on until it becomes your life. You trust the sun will rise tomorrow. You never consider that it won't. Trust is like a pane of glass when it's clean. Hardly know it's there. But you smash it and you cut to shreds. I want to look at what ancient Greek myths reveal about the concept of resilience. The stories remain relevant to the human experience and give us insight into the morals of our own stories. We're often told how important it is to cultivate resilience. As parents, we should encourage a resilient mindset in our children. We must also be resilient in day-to-day -day life, in our workplaces, in our families and communities. It all sounds pretty exhausting, but what is resilience? The American Psychological Association describes resilience as the process of adapting well in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, threats or significant sources of stress, such as family and relationship problems, serious health problems or workplace and financial stresses. It means bouncing back from difficult experiences. 
This doesn't mean being immune to stress itself. Instead, it requires a capacity to recover and adapt after a challenging chapter. Every one of us possesses the ability to strengthen and cultivate resilience through our behaviours. We can make realistic plans and carry them out, draw support from our community and maintain positive self-esteem. We can encourage problem-solving skills at work and try to find meaningfulness in the task at hand in preparation for the challenges ahead. In the Greek myths I have chosen today, we will find illustrations of resilience-building behaviour. This is Euripides' tale of Heracles. Lysus, the usurping ruler of the city of Thebes, is about to kill Heracles' mortal stepfather Amphitryon, as well as Heracles' wife Megara and their three children, all because Megara is the daughter of the lawful king of Thebes, Creon. Heracles is unable to help his family because he is engaged in the last of his twelve labours, bringing back the monster Cerberus, who guards the gates of Hades. Heracles's family have therefore taken refuge at the altar of Zeus. The chorus of old men of Thebes sympathise with Megara and her children, frustrated that they cannot help them. Lysus asks how long they are going to try and prolong their lives by clinging to the altar, claiming that Heracles has been killed in Hades and will not be able to help them. Lysus justifies his threat to kill the children of Heracles and Megara on the grounds that he cannot risk them attempting to avenge their grandfather when they grow up. Amphitryon asks permission for Megara and the children to go into exile, Yet Lysus reaches the end of his patience and orders that the temple be burnt down with them inside. Megara refuses to die a coward's death by being burned alive and, having at last abandoned hope for Heracles' return, she obtains Lysus' permission to dress the children in suitable robes of death to face their executioners. The old men of the chorus, who have stoutly defended Heracles' family and praised Heracles' famous labours against Lysus, can only watch as Megara returns with the children dressed for death. At that moment, though, while Lysus exits to await the preparations for burning, Heracles unexpectedly returns, explaining that he was delayed by the need to rescue Theseus from Hades in addition to bringing back Cerberus. He hears the story of Creon's overthrow and Lysus's plan to kill Megara and the children and resolves to revenge himself on Lysus. When the impatient Lysus returns, he storms into the palace to get Megara and the children, but is met inside by Heracles and killed. 
the chorus sings a joyful song of celebration, but it is interrupted by the unexpected appearance of Iris, the messenger goddess, and Lysa, the personification of madness. Iris announces that she has come to make Heracles kill his own children by driving him mad by order of Hera, Zeus's wife. Hera always resented that Heracles was Zeus's son, as well as his godlike strength he inherited, and now sought to make him suffer. A messenger reports how, when the fit of madness fell on Heracles, he believed he had to kill Eurystheus, the king who had assigned his labours, and how he had moved from room to room, thinking that he was going from country to country in search of him. In his madness, he was convinced that his own three children were those of Eurystheus and killed them as well as Megara, and would have killed his stepfather Amphitryon too had the goddess Athena not intervened and put him into a deep sleep. The palace doors are opened to reveal the sleeping Heracles chained to a pillar and surrounded by the dead bodies of his wife and children. When he wakes up, Amphitryon tells him what he has done and, in his shame, he rails at the gods and vows to take his own life. Theseus, king of Athens, recently freed from Hades by Heracles, then enters and explains that he has heard of Lysus's overthrow of Creon and has come with an Athenian army to help overthrow Lysus. When he hears what Heracles has done, he is deeply shocked but understanding and offers his renewed friendship despite Heracles's protestations that he is unworthy and should be left to his own misery and shame. Theseus argues that the gods regularly commit evil acts, such as forbidden marriages, and are never brought to task, so therefore why would Heracles not do likewise? Heracles denies this line of reasoning, arguing that such stories are merely the inventions of poets, but is eventually convinced that it would be cowardly to commit suicide, and resolves to go to Athens with Theseus. He asks Amphitryon to bury his dead as the law forbids him to remain in Thebes or even to attend the funeral of his wife and children. The story ends with Heracles leaving for Athens with his friend Theseus, a shamed and broken man. In this story, many of the characters show strength and resilience in the face of adversity. To put it lightly, Lysus challenges the characters continuously, threatening death and destruction in return for power. The challenges that he brings to the story are met by strength and endurance. Amphitryon's bravery in the face of Lysus, his quick thinking and problem-solving skills in response to Lysus's anxieties over the future of Heracles' children. He suggests exile as a compromise to both struggles. Megara's display of love and strength for the sake of her children is an example of compassionate and brave decision-making. She chooses an honourable death for her children. Heracles engages in a process of self-discovery through suffering, 
fully coming to terms with his human side and recognising his vulnerability to forces beyond his control. Heracles finds a way to endure life with the help of his close friend Theseus, who in turn enables him to take decisive action in the present and to look to the future with hope. And now to the underworld. This is the tale of Demeter and Persephone. It was a beautiful day like all the others in this land. The sun shone brightly in the sky, the hills were lush and green, and flowers blossomed from the earth. The lovely young maiden Persephone frolicked with her friends upon the hillside as her mother Demeter sat nearby and her father Zeus peered down from the sky above. Laughter could be heard in between the young girls' whispered secrets as they gathered handfuls of purple crocuses, royal blue irises and sweet-smelling hyacinths. Persephone thought to bring some to her mother, but was soon distracted by a vision of the most enchanting flower she had ever seen. It was a narcissus, the exact flower her father hoped that she would find. As she reached down to pluck it from its resting place, her feet began to tremble and the earth was split in two. Life for Persephone would never be the same again. From this gaping crevice in the ground emerged the awe-inspiring god of the underworld, Hades, and before Persephone could even think to utter a word, she was whisked off her feet onto the god's golden chariot. As the crack of the whip upon his majestic horses brought her to her senses, she realised she was about to be taken into the black depths from which he'd come. The thought of this brought terror to her heart, yet any screams of protest were soon lost with the darkness, as they descended quickly into the underworld below. While Persephone's cries could not be heard above the ground, the pain in Demeter's heart quickly alerted her to the fact that something was terribly wrong. She searched high and low for her dear daughter, who had vanished from both the heavens and the earth. Consumed by depression over the loss of her child, she soon ceased to remember her worldly duties as goddess of grain and growth. As she watched the plants wither and die all around her, she felt her own hopes begin to fade as well. At the same time, deep down in the realm of the dead, Hades hoped to explain his actions to the sweet Persephone. Professing his love, he told her of the plan her father helped deploy and begged her to stay and be his wife. Yet Persephone longed for something more, the comforts of her mother's home and a view of the lush green grass and blue sky up above. Far above the darkness of the underworld, her mother continued to wander the forlorn earth. Eventually, she found her way to the town of Eleusis, where she rested by a flowing fountain. Stripped of all her vital energy, she appeared old and wrinkled before her years. Soon, Four young females found the aging goddess and agreed to take her home. 
Their parents were glad to offer the elderly woman lodging and a stable position caring for their little son. Wishing to reward the family for their kindness, Demeter attempted to offer the child the gift of immortality by sticking him in the fire each night and removing him every morning before dawn. When the child's mother found him in the flames, she was horrified. Her mortal mind could not comprehend the actions of the goddess and she asked her to leave their home at once. This immediately brought back Demeter's fighting spirit, who surprised them by exposing her true self. The family begged the goddess for forgiveness and in return agreed to her demands. A temple would be built in my honour and you will teach the world my secret to immortality. Within no time, the town built a beautiful temple on the hillside, which the goddess blessed before continuing on her journey. Yet it didn't take long for Demeter's happiness to be replaced with rage, as she recalled the disappearance of her daughter. She flew to the home of Zeus and demanded that Persephone be found at once. She also questioned every immortal she could find and eventually uncovered Zeus's plot. In an attempt to appease Demeter's growing anger, he dispatched a messenger to retrieve their daughter from the depths. Upon his entry to the underworld, the messenger Hermes was amazed at what he found. Instead of finding a frail and fearful Persephone, he found a radiant and striking queen of the dead. She had adjusted well to her new position, saying she had even found her calling. The goddess was now in charge of greeting the new arrivals and helping them adapt to their new life. While she wished to see her mother up above, she was torn by her desire to remain Hades's wife. Hoping to comfort Persephone in her confusion, Hades came to his queen's side. He gently kissed her forehead and urged her, Do not fret. Eat instead from this fruit I know you will like. As she pressed the red pomegranate seeds to her lips, she listened to his words. He told her he would miss her very much, but her duties as a daughter mattered too. So she climbed into the chariot and bid her husband farewell. As Hermes sped them off to the middle realm of Mother Earth, the home of her devoted mother. The flowers sang joyfully of her return, while her mother beamed with pride. Yet the child that she had born and raised had changed while she was gone. She had grown into a goddess, one both beautiful and wise, and the more that Demeter inquired about her experiences below, the more she came to worry that the life they knew was gone. She recalled a declaration Zeus had made from the heavens up above, in order for Persephone to return to the home and life she had known, the young goddess must be as pure as the day she left her mother's side. However, the ruby stain upon her lips spoke of the beauty's fate. Persephone had tasted of the fruit of life. It could not be erased. Even so, Zeus loved his daughter too much to send her back to Hades without the hope of returning to her mother's abode above. So, each spring, Persephone comes back with the flowers that pave her way to tell the story of rebirth, hope and harmony. 
and each fall, when she leaves again for the underworld below, her mother mourns and winter comes, while she awaits for her return. Yet, for Persephone, there is no remorse. She looks forward to the time she spends as Hades' queen and wife, and to guiding those who have lost their way to the next phase of their life. In this story, Demeter never gives up on the hope of being reunited with her abducted daughter, and eventually, that hope is realised. Demeter also embarks on a spiritual path, finding meaning and purpose in life and establishing the Eleusinian mysteries. She learns to accept change and the inevitable cycle of decay and renewal throughout the cycle of the seasons. Her resilience is built upon her acceptance of that which she cannot control by seeing plainly the facts of her and Persephone's reality. Demeter is then able to create a world in which she can endure the loss of her daughter. These myths are powerful examples of resilience building in action. They provide a stepping stone to the history of human experience and connect our own lives to the lives of people living in the ancient world. An understanding of human nature now and then can shed light on building and strengthening resilience. In a world preoccupied with building better futures, let's look to the past for inspiration. You've been listening to How to Hatch, a podcast brought to you by Hatch, a team of futurists, anthropologists, entrepreneurs and artists. The team specialises in the future of work and leadership, consulting professionals from all over the world to improve areas that are considered essential to success in future times. Our work is to pay attention to your work, to strengthen the human capabilities we will need for the future of leadership. Curious about how you can future-proof your workplace? Go to www.iamhatch.com to find out more.